Well, we are continuing in our series entitled Re-Engage. We've been in a marriage series for the last several weeks where we've been learning so much about what the Bible has to say about marriage and how we can be thriving in our marriages, whether you're brand new to marriage, you're looking for marriage, or you've been married for a long time. Last night, our Michael Jr. Funny How Marriage Works event was a amazing part of that series, and I hope for those of you that uh, were here, you enjoyed that and learned a ton. One of the things we also know is that our relationship with our spouse gets right when our relationship with the Father gets right. And so this morning, we get to have Michael Jr. back to speak with us as a guest speaker. You're going to hear more about his story and what God has done in his life and learn a little bit more about maybe where God is in the middle of your story as well. So I want to ask you to help me welcome Michael Jr. to the stage. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you, bro. That was good stuff. All right. Cool. We're going to have some fun this morning. We're going to laugh and stuff. Some people think you shouldn't laugh in church. My response to that is, what good father doesn't want to hear his children's laughter in his house? So actually, we had to laugh. It would be cool. But when I was a kid, going to church was illegal. I mean, like, not going to church, but let's just say it like this. Laughing in church was illegal. You couldn't laugh in church. I remember one time laughing. This lady, I'm seven years old, this lady was jumping around and her wig fell off. <laughs> I cracked up laughing. And my grandmother would pinch and twist. I can understand a pinch. You're gonna twist? That's the devil. That's what I thought. Like, I didn't say that to her because I didn't know what kind of power she had, but I was scared. Church was miserable. My shoes were like three sizes too small. My grandmother had this thing called a shoehorn. So if your foot don't fit, now it do. Church lasts six hours. It was miserable. I couldn't stand church. It was nowhere near as cool as this right here. In fact, every, my, my clothes were so tight. Every single Sunday, I wore a white and brown shirt. It was so tight. Actually, it was just white, but the buttons were so tight. That the... <laughs> Did you just look away like you had a visual right now? You tried to erase it? Is that what you just did? I saw you just tried to shake it off. You tried to shake it off. So here's what's going to take place today. Well, at least my plans. We'll see what actually takes place. Um, I was praying this morning, and I asked God, what do you want me to tell the people? And I feel like God wants me to tell you that he loves you. So receive that. He loves you. So what I'm going to do this morning is uh, I'm going to tell you two stories, maybe three if I got time, but we're going to do things a little different than the norm. I'm going to tell you three stories. And normally, normally when a speaker or a communicator is on stage, he'll tell you some stories, then he'll give you some scriptures, then you can figure out how to apply it. I'm not doing that. I'm going to tell you some stories, and I want you to do something. Everybody take a deep breath. I want you to, as I tell these stories... I want you to listen for God's glory in the form of his word. What I mean is, is I'm going to tell these stories and I want you to listen for what scriptures come up in your heart. And at the end of each one of these stories, I'm going to go into the audience and find out what scriptures have shown up for you. At the end of this service, we'll have some scripture, we'll have a QR code and we're going to send you the scriptures with a video from me explaining to you what you can do to go even deeper. 
but you have scriptures in your heart. You, they'll show up. Like from the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So I want you to listen. Let's find out what happens. <laughs> it's hilarious. So it's going to be fun. So when I was 14 years old, this is story number one. I'm 14 years old. I used to wake up around 6 o'clock in the morning. I would walk to school. I think it was like 1.7 miles. It wasn't that long, right? I walked to school, and then once I got to school, we would have like football practice. Then after football practice, we would then go to uh, class, and after class, I would catch the bus to my job at the oil change place. Now, at this oil change place, they used to have three bays of cars that would come in, and I was the pit man. They had me in the pit working on the cars. And I got really fast at it. You're supposed to have a car done in like 10 minutes. I would get them done in like three minutes. Like I was crazy fast. It got to the point where I was kind of bored in the pit. So I would go up to help, right? I would go up to help. And then um, one time I took this lady's rear differential fluid because we used to sell rear differential flush. So I took her fluid and I walked up top to this lady in her, in her car and I said, yo, so check it, right? Your rear differential fluid is tripping. It can't be popping like this or something gonna, gonna pop off in the wrong way. It's a white lady, and she hit her power lock. She was like, click. <laughs> Which is weird, because it's a convertible. Like, I still see you, like you right here. Like. <laughs> then the manager pulls me to the side, and he says, listen, you can't talk to customers like that. You have to meet them where they are. And he would explain these things to me. He would teach all of this stuff to me in a way that I could really receive it. He would use different things around the shop to teach me things. This dude was amazing. He was, he was, like, a, he was like a dad to me, really. Mainly because he was my dad. So, um, <laughs> so my dad got me this job when I was 14 years old, right? And my dad was the manager of that oil change location. He was the manager. But at work, I would never call him dad. I would always just call him Mike, Big Mike, just like everybody else called him Big Mike. That's what I would do, right? So then my dad stopped working in the evenings, and they brought in an assistant manager for the evenings. This little dude named Mark. Mark kind of had a cocky attitude. Mark also didn't like Michael Jr. He didn't like me at all. I don't know why he didn't like me. And I'm super slow, significantly slow to call somebody racist. Mark is racist. I'm gonna throw that out there. I'm not 100% sure, you tell me. So I'm working in the pit on a car and I come up out the pit and I'm going to help put some air in these people's tires, right? Because they're moving slow and I wanna help the guys out. And then Mark stands over me after he says something to another uh, employee, he stands over me and he says, hey, junior boy, you need to get yourself in the pit where you belong. And it was significantly dramatic, like, and I felt like I was crushed. So I went down into the pit, and what I wasn't gonna do is I wasn't gonna tell my dad, because I need my dad to, to still be my dad, be not be locked up in prison somewhere. So I'm hurt, I'm in the pit, and I'm hurt, and I'm just, I'm like, and now I'm trying to stay away from this dude because he's just mean because of his authority. So it's like a week later or whatever, I didn't even realize he was there. I'm helping with the tires because I just want to help the guys out. And then again, he walks up to me. Boy, didn't I tell you, you belong in the pit, stay in the pit where you belong. And the customers heard him say this too. And my, I'm crushed. I walk down into the pit, then I hear a voice. And he says, Mark, can I talk to you, please? I know that voice. I'm scared of that voice when it has that tone to it. But he said Mark and not Mike Jr. And I'm like, snap, my dad ain't even supposed to be here right now. Why is he here? 
but I'm in the pit, right? So if you can imagine, there's a car on top of me. Like there's a Honda Accord on top of me. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on. So I only got like six inches of room so I could kind of see what's going on. And I see my dad's feet. Like I see his size 13 steel toe black boots walking off to this wall area after he said, Mark, come here, please. Then I see Mark size eight and a half at the most walking over towards my dad. Now they're toe to toe and I'm trying to listen, but the lady in the Honda starts the car up at that point. So I can't hear and I'm trying not to get my ear burnt on the muffler as I'm looking to see what's going on. My dad is there, Mark's feet are right here. I can't hear what they're saying. And then Mark's left foot goes up in the air. And I'm like, oh, he's about to walk off. But then his right foot goes in the air too. And I don't see his feet for a little while. Then they come back down to the ground. I went up out the pit after about a few minutes and Mark was the nicest person in the world. He was so kind to me after this, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. When I was at my lowest point, hurt. I mean, I was really hurt down there when he would say those things to me. I had a father up top. I didn't even know he was there. I had a father up top who was looking out for me. And it was funny because my dad said to me afterwards, son, it's very important that you meet people where they are. Sometimes you gotta let them know where you're from. Scriptures, what popped up for you guys? Raise your hand, we're gonna bring your microphone. People are never ready at the end of the first story. It's a young lady right here, and then, um, cool, yeah, you should already be on your feet, man. Yeah, slow down, you got those skinny jeans on, you're gonna start a fire. All right, cool. And then if you, somebody else, raise your hand too and bring a mic. We got one right here. Cool. What do you got? No, you're fine. Go ahead. The exact scripture, but the, the first one was the one that tells you, obey your masters and submit to their will. And the second one was, be angry and do not sin. And the one that hit me the hardest was, um, even in your lowest points, I am there mm. with you. Mm. Even at your lowest point, that was a significantly low point for me. And my, my father was there for me, earthly and spiritually. Cool. Where are we at next? Where's the mic dude at? Can I see? I, I don't see you guys. Just grab a hand. Just, you got to just grab somebody. Cool, 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 cool. All right. And then you should, if you have one over here, raise your hand and he'll bring the mic right to you. Yes, sir. You, it it uh, worked. You don't got to like this thing. Do, do, do. Go ahead. Cool, cool. I got, All right, what you got? Uh, for the Lord shall raise the lowly and humble the high. Ooh, that was awesome. Hey, could you do it without the accent? I didn't catch that at all. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. No, you're good. You're good. I got it. That was, that was dope. I'm just bringing a little levity. That's all. All right, who we got over here? Yes. Hebrews. I got Hebrews. Um, 13 verse 5, he said, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor mm. forsake you. So you may be bold to say the Lord is your helper and you will not be afraid what man can do to you. Goodness gracious. Bold and not be afraid. When I saw my dad's boots, a boldness came in me. When I came back up top, I wasn't afraid anymore. All right. Here's the next story. So these are three of the stories. I actually wrote a book called Funny How Life Works. And these are just three of those from this book, but this is my life. So um, 
I moved to New York City because I'm doing comedy and I want to know if I'm funny. And in New York, if you're not funny, the way they let you know is they'll say something like, you're not funny. <laughs> so in the Midwest where I grew up at, when you do comedy, they'll pay you anywhere from 100 to maybe $400 for the whole week, for like three days to four days of shows. I moved to New York City and they pay $9 a show. That's not slang for $900. It's nine bucks to do a show. So it wasn't long before I had to change my address in New York City. My new address became 1997 Lumina Drive. Chevy Lumina Drive. So I was living in my car for those who were too slow. So I'm living in my car and I'm rationally, I would wake up at like six o'clock in the morning and I normally wake up at six o'clock in the morning, but I had to train myself to wake up at 11 because Subway would open up and I'd get this foot-long meatball sub. I would eat half in the mornings, and then I would eat the other half after I did a show in the evening because I didn't have any money. So I trained myself to really have sleep for breakfast. And then I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and it was like, uh, it would get cold, and I would have to start the car up roughly every 42 to 47 minutes to stay warm, let it run for three minutes, go back to sleep. I had to do that all night. So then I'd do a show at the Comic Strip Live, and right before... I, I get on stage, this comedian saw me named George Wallace. While I'm on stage, he sees me and he says, wow, you're funny and you're clean. And he asked me to do a show with him and his best friend. His best friend is Jerry Seinfeld. So he asked me to do a show and I'm super excited and pumped. And what I don't do is ask him if he's gonna pay me because that's not something you do. This is a great opportunity. So I went back to my den to do the math to make sure I could get to the show. So I'm sitting in my den, passenger seat. And I'm doing the math and I figure I had enough, the show wasn't until Saturday, I had enough to get like another foot long sub, I cut it in half, I wait, there's no more shows, but at least I could get there and it's, it's worth the risk. I was like, cool, but then I realized, snap, the show was in New Jersey. Some of you guys know what that means. If I go to New Jersey, there's an $8 tow charge to get back into New York City. I had shows in New York City lined up and I could really use those other $9. But if I get to New Jersey and they don't pay me any money, which is completely understandable, what am I gonna do? I don't know where I'm gonna go. So I can't even pray, because I don't know Jesus at this point. I don't even know who to talk to. I have no friends, just me sitting in my car. And I just decided I'm gonna take the risk. So I go to the show and I park, when I get there, I park way down the street from the club, way down. It's not because my car was super raggedy, but because I would save gas walking. So I walk and then I get up to the club and there's this big bouncer dude standing outside the club. He's like, can I help you? And he had so much bass, like he had crazy bass. When he would talk, his gold chain would rattle. <laughs> he has so much bass for some reason, I don't know how this happened, but his bass took mine away. <laughs> He's like, can I help you? I was like, uh, yeah. Um, George Wallace has said I could come here and do some jokes on Michael Jr. And then he said, oh, yeah, 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 Mike Jr., Mike Jr. And he opens the door for me. I can't explain to you how powerful it was for somebody to say my name and open a door. It was so powerful. So I walk in and I see all these beautiful people. Just like today, I see all of these people. And the thing that stood out for me is, this will sound silly, but they had silverware. Like I hadn't seen silverware in quite some time. And then I go and I, 
I see the green room and George Wallace is there and then his best friend is Jerry Seinfeld and I did two shows and I got two standing ovations and I'm feeling great. And now the show is over and um, people are leaving. Like the audience is gone and I don't see George Wallace anywhere and Seinfeld's not there and, and nobody's giving me any money yet. And uh, I don't know what I'm, I'm kind of hovering a little bit hoping that somebody brings Somebody does something, and then I see the manager, and he starts walking right towards me. I'm thinking, yes, give me some money. I don't know what they pay in New Jersey. What if they paid like $10 a show? What if it's, I did two shows, will I get $20? What if they $20? I don't know. I've got all these thoughts. And the dude, he walks up to me, and he stops. He says, Michael, you were really funny. You have some great sets. Let me ask you a question. Um, would you like to go to church with me this weekend? And I'm like, Church? Man, back up, you're making my feet hurt. I don't wanna go to church. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud, but I'm like, church? Nah, I'm, I'm cool, I don't wanna go to church. And the dude walks off. He don't give me no money. So now, I don't know what I'm gonna do. So I remember going to get some peanuts off the counter. And then I went into the bathroom because the one in my apartment don't exist. So I go use the bathroom. And I walk out. Have you ever seen a scene in a movie where the woman shows up and she's beautiful? Like just this woman was there and she was, she pales in comparison to my wife now, but I didn't have a wife at the time. And this woman is beautiful. And it was like the lights was on her, like just like the movie and the, the music shows up and her hair was like blowing in the wind. So if it was a black girl, so it wasn't blowing that much. It was just going like this. Was like, <laughs> she was beautiful. And she said to me, she was the, she was the manager's fiance. I thought she said she was Beyonce. I don't know, she was fine. And she's so beautiful, she had this accent. She was like, Michael Jr., would you like to go to church for, with us? Now listen, let me pause for a second and tell you, there's only two reasons you do anything in life. Only two. Compare this to any decision you've made today. To avoid pain or to gain pleasure. Those are the only two reasons you do anything. So she says to me in this accent, Michael Jr., would you like to go to church with us? And I was like, I was just looking for a church the other day, man, the finest church, man. I just... And then she writes, she gets a napkin and writes the address of this church down and she, she hands it to me and she floats off. I was like, wow, she was fine. I look at the napkin and it's a New York City address. I can't get to New York City. I don't know what I'm going to do when I leave these footprints that I'm in right now. But now it's time for me to leave this club. So I'm leaving and I'm walking, getting ready to walk to my car and I feel all these emotions coming up. And I know I'm about to cry, but I don't want anybody to see me crying. So I'm walking to my car. And um, as I'm walking, I hear this voice behind me. Yo, Mike Jr. It's the big bouncer dude. I turn around and I can't explain it, but I can see in his eyes that he has a different level of respect for me. And I'm about to, and I'm approaching, I'm walking up on him, right? And I can tell we're about to slap hands. I can tell, like, black people, we don't got to talk about it when it's going to happen. I know some of my white friends are like, high five, buddy. Like, you got to announce it first, but we, we don't have to do that, right? So, so I'm just walking, and I'm about to brace myself, because this is a big dude, and this slap is going to be a big, heavy, hard slap. So I'm bracing myself, right? I'm bringing it in, and, and it was hard, but it wasn't loud. I wasn't expecting that. And the reason it wasn't loud is we bring it in for the half hug. The reason it wasn't loud is because he's exchanging some money into my hands. 
And now all those emotions from before are coming up, but I'm still hugging this big dude. And I feel these tears coming down and I start blinking real fast because I don't want him thinking, yo, you the one. Like, I don't want that, right? So, <laughs> so I back up off the hug and he said, George Wallace said to give you a little something, something. I was like, cool. And I didn't look because you can't look, right? So I'm holding my hand closed and I'm walking to my car and I got a little bounce in my step now because, but I'm still emotional. All those emotions start coming up again and I sit in my car. I throw my stuff on the passenger seat and I look at my fist while it's still closed and all these emotions come up and tears start welling up in my eyes and I open my hand and I'm, and the first thing I see is these, my tears are crashing down on these $200 bills and I'm done, like I'm done. And then the next thing I see is a crumpled up napkin with an address to a church. And I went there, and that's where I got saved at 36 days later. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. What scriptures showed up in your heart as you heard that story? You don't gotta wait on me, Mike Runners. You see the hands, you can go right to them. Cool. Yes, in the back, bro. Stand up. Uh, good morning. Yeah. Um, hey, man, we're not doing a whole church service. I need you to read the service. <laughs> read the doggone script. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> no, just go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Proverbs chapter three, verse five. And trust sorry, in the Lord. Trust in and rely confidently in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight of understanding. In all of your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. And he will make your path straight and smooth. Removing obstacles that block your way. I didn't even know him well enough to trust him. But he showed me that I can, and now that's how I roll. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. He did the amplified hip-hop version, but I was just, ah. Yes, where we at now? Where we at? I know she got one. Where you at? Oh, cool. Uh, both my wife and I have one. Uh, mine is Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Mm. I didn't even know that it was in my heart to know God that well. I didn't even know, but he showed it to me and that's exactly what's in my heart. And now your wife got one. Is it on? Okay. Uh, I don't know the verse, but it's why do we worry about what we are gonna eat or drink or what we'll wear? And it talks about the birds and the flowers and he takes care of them, so why wouldn't he take care of us? 100%. I even know him, and he absolutely is taking care of me the whole time. Why am I worried about those things? His glory is in your story. We'll take one more. When they say there's a casting down, you say there's a lifting up. Job 22, 28. That was beautiful. Do we have a translator? <laughs> no, that was beautiful. That was so... <laughs> That was beautiful. All right, I'm gonna do one more story. Goodness gracious. So don't forget, at the end of this, the QR code is gonna come up and you guys are going to get some cool instructions on something you can do really fast to find more glory in your story and even the people around you. 
So New York is expensive. So I decide I can't afford New York. I'm about to move to California. <laughs> In California, my cousin lives there, and he had a couch that he said I could live on. I just had to get to California. So I was able to book a show in Chicago at Zany's Comedy Club. So I had just enough money to get from Zany's to Chicago. In, at Zany's, they were going to pay me $475 for the week. I was going to take that money and then use it for gas to get to my cousin's couch. On my way to Chicago, some people refer to it as Chiguetto, on my way there, my brakes start to grind. I take it to the brake shop. As I, when I get into Chicago, I take it to the brake shop and they're like, hey, it's going to be $465. I didn't have $465. So I had to go to the club and ask them for an advance. They gave me my money up front and I paid to get my brakes done. And I don't got no money though. Now you would think, why don't you just go back to your hometown of Grand Rapids? But I knew if I went home, my career would most likely end right there. I just could feel it. But I just met Jesus. I want to get to California. There's no way. I don't got no money. There's no way this is going to happen. But I just met Jesus, so I'm trying to pray. I'm praying. I don't know any. All I know is Jesus. I don't know no Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah. I don't know any of that stuff. I'm just praying. And I remember I would pray, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but please, I want to go to, I feel like that's where I should be. But there's no way. The only possibilities. I used to sell T-shirts at my show. On average, I would sell one shirt per show. It was $10 a shirt. I'd already done four of the five shows. I sold three shirts. I am below average. So I'm like, but I'm still praying. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like if you could, like, I don't, I don't even know what that means. My grandmother used to say it all the time. So I'm praying. I just met Jesus. And then I get to the last show on Sunday night. I walk in and there's 27 people in the audience. Nobody's there to see Michael Jr. They're just there because it's a comedy club. And I get up on stage and I hold up uh, and I'm talking and I'm doing jokes. I bring the best show I could bring. Like I bring it because I'm thinking it might be my last show. And I just, I want to be a showman. So I bring the best show I can. And now it's time for me to pitch these t-shirts. The t-shirt was just a black shirt with my logo on it. Nothing in it for the consumer at all. I'm holding this shirt up and I was like, hey, um, this, this is the shirt I got. And in the middle of pitching my shirt, I get heckled by this drunk dude in the back of the room. How much for that crappy shirt? Beep, 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 beep. That's what he said. And I stared at him angrily, and I said, for you, $50. Everybody giggled a little bit, and I went on and did my big closing joke. I used to tell this story about being in a nice neighborhood like Beverly Hills, and I was jogging to my car. This white lady came around the corner about 20 feet in front of me. Now we jogging in the same direction. Then she looked back. She starts jogging faster, so I look back too. I ain't seen anything back there, but if she's scared of it, I'm scared of it too. So I finish up with this big closing joke. And then the show is over and I go set up my t-shirts on the stool. And uh, people start passing me by. They're not making eye contact. and. Uh, then this, this white lady, uh, I just, I won't forget her. She walked up and she purposely made eye contact with me. She purposely looked at me and she said to me, she said, you're so worth it. That's what she said to me. 
and she gave me some money. And I gotta go get a change for her shirt because she gave me like $50. So I go find change from a waitress and I come back and she's gone. But now I gotta find this lady because she gave me too much money for the shirt. It's only $10. But there's another couple there and they wanna buy two shirts. And they gave me $100. Then the next dude bought a shirt for $50. I sold 13 shirts for $50 each. And God said to me that moment, if you trust me, I got you. Here's the thing. Another thing that I caught from that story that I'll share with you prior to you sharing your verses is God used a heckler in my life to get me where he wanted me to be. Sometimes your heckler is confirmation that you're doing the right thing. If you don't have any hecklers, maybe you're not doing what God called you to do. What scriptures? I mean, up here got one, and she's standing up with her Bible. I think she got a pulpit in front of her, too. I think for sure she got a pulpit. And then you get somebody, too. You got somebody already? All right, cool. You got somebody. All right, stand up. Wait, is this the same lady? Ephesians chapter 3, yep, verse sure 20. Is. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. I would say that he did exceedingly and abundantly over and above all I could ask or think. I was hoping to possibly sell enough shirts to get just to California, but God said no. I'm going to make sure you got more than enough to get there, and when you get there, I'm going to introduce you to your wife. And y'all going to have these kids, and you're going to bless the country with some stuff that you don't even know about yet. Exceedingly and abundantly is the case, yes. Where we at? Jeremiah. 29, 29 and 11. 11. For I know the thought that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Mm. Woo. You ain't have to say that like my grandmother don't want to make it extra emotional for me. You didn't need to do that. Her mic's not on, no. Go ahead. Philippians 4:19, and God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory. Mm, praise the Lord. Wow, there is 29,000 different accents in this church. <laughs> I thought it was going to be some regular black people for a second, but no. Oh, here's one now. Yes. So regular. Okay. <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, Psalm 84, 11, for the Lord God is our son and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will not withhold no good thing from mm. those who do what is right. Goodness gracious, what? So how is it? I need you guys to catch this. You guys are finding all this glory in my story. But you know your story so much better. Have you looked at your story from, a, from the other position and asked God, show me your glory? It's what I'm going to have you to do when you go home. I'm telling you, there is some power here, but you have to be able to hear God's voice. So me and my wife, we were looking at some older home videos recently. We came across a video of our, and I'm going to show you this video. It's a video of our youngest daughter being born. Well, it's not her being born, because my wife don't want you to see that video, because neither of really. 
So let me set it up for you. Well, at the time, our daughter is two and a half minutes old, and the nurse is about to clean her up, right? And they got her under a little chicken warmer, the little uh, keep your french fries warm down, I don't know what kind of insurance we had, but they got her under a little chicken warmer, and, um, and she starts to cry. I want you to notice what happens when she hears my voice. Okay, Portland, look, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. I'm right here, I'm right here. We're doing just fine. It's okay, it's okay, I'm right here. Right here, yeah, it's okay. It's okay, baby. So now, it's like seven, maybe seven and a half minutes or so later, the nurse is done cleaning her up and she starts to cry again. I speak up and she stops crying again. But I want you to notice what happens when I tell her I love her. Portland, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm right here. I'm right here. I am right here. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm right here. It's okay. It's okay. So listen, there's going to be times in life where it may feel really, really hard to see his glory in your story. And maybe you even get frustrated, even to the point of tears. The key thing to do in those moments is to be still and listen for the Father's voice. Because he is talking to you. And what he wants you to know is he's right here. He loves you. All you have to do is open your eyes. So now if you could, if everybody here, if you could just bow your head for a moment. So there's some people in the room who you've never made this decision to invite Jesus into your heart so you could hear his voice, so he could speak his word into your life. And for you, today is that day when you make that decision to bring him into your heart so he can have his way. And there's other people in here right now, you used to have that closeness with Jesus. But whether you're aware of it or not, you have moved him to another room in your house, to another room in your heart. And it's time for you to give him full access again. So if you are either one of these types of people in this room right now, on a count of three, I'm gonna ask you to do something really simple. On a count of three, I just want you to slip your hand in the air. Don't overthink this, but if you need to invite Jesus into your heart for the first time or to give him full access to your life again, like it used to be, on a count of three, I just simply want you to put your hand in the air. Hands are already going up. One, two, three. Nice and high. Nice and high. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, go ahead and put your hands down. And then everyone look up at me. First of all, let me say this phrase. I am proud of you. I'm going to repeat that phrase. 
And this isn't just for the people who raised their hand. There's some people in this room who have never received that phrase from a father's voice before. So I'm going to repeat that phrase a number of times and I want you to simply work to receive it from a father's voice. I am proud of you. 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 Now, Jesus says, if you will take a stand for me, I will take a stand before you for my Father in heaven. So if you can make a stand on earth, he can make a stand in heaven for you. So what that's going to look like right here at Sugar Creek or even the other campuses, what that's going to look like right here is everyone who raised their hand, and even those of you who should have raised their hand, even if you're watching online as well. On the count of three, what I want you to do is to stand to your feet and remain standing so we can pray together. This is very important. If you can't stand in here where we're proud of you, you won't be able to stand out there. So on the count of three, everyone who raised their hand, even those who should have raised their hand, I want you to stand to your feet and remain standing. And to help with that, everyone around you, they're going to applaud as loud as they can. But it will not compare to the applause that the angels in heaven will be doing when you stand to your feet and remain standing. One, two, three. Just stand up and remain standing. I'm proud of you. 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 All right. Keep standing because we're going to pray together. And then what's going to happen after this prayer? They normally bring up a white dude to make it official. I don't know why they got to do that. I don't know why it's not going to work just with me. I'm just playing. We're laughing in the middle of a life-changing moment. In the middle of it, God wants his kids to laugh. And I believe your laugh will be just a little different, just a little more hearty as a result of the choice that you're making right now. If there's a few people in this room, and I have a sense that there are, a few people who are sitting who should be standing, you know who you are. There's just a few of you. This is your opportunity. That little feeling that you feel in your stomach, like, no, don't do it. No, you really should, because that is not the Lord's voice. <laughs> praise God, praise God, praise God. <laughs> that was so dope. Like, both of y'all got up at the same time. Y'all like, he talking to us. Come on, girl. That's this pink, mink. I see you. Oh, God has some big plans. All right, we're going to pray. Repeat this prayer in the privacy of your heart. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die for me. I thank you that he rose again on the third day for me. He died for my sins. I believe it and I receive it. Come into my heart and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.